Everybody, welcome. Well, we made it to the first annual. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is a thing that comics do on and off from time to time. They do like an annual, which is like a special, usually an extra long issue or extra special issue. Sometimes like in the regular continuity, sometimes kind of outside the regular continuity to just give you something different. Um, and this is Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 1 from 1964, which is Spider-Man's epic battle with the Sinister Six. Uh, this co- would have cost you 25 cents and was 72 sweet pages. Um, it's got a great opening page that I just kind of wanted to do one of these. Spider-Man, the Sinister Six! Can Spider-Man save the two people he loves most in the whole world from the deadly Sinister Six? In order to rescue Betty Bryant and Aunt May, Spidey must find a way to defeat the undefeatable Sinister Six. Defeat the undefeatable. There you go. What happens now? Just when he needs them most, Peter Parker seems to have mysteriously lost his amazing spider powers. 41 pages of indescribable excitement written by Stan Lee... Drawn by Steve Ditko. It's taken a year to produce this double-length epic, so let's not waste another minute. Away we go. So there you go. Bunch of sixes. More sixes than you can shake sticks at. Poof. That was bad. If you want to bail right now, this is a good time. So uh, we start with our story, and Dr. Octopus is in jail. For some reason, he's like putting on a shirt. Oh, I because they so they take his little arms away, his little arms, his like it, octopus arms. Um, in this version, they don't seem to be like you know burned into his body. He can just kind of take them off. What's really funny though is so Doctor Octopus is putting on a shirt, and you can see him shirtless, and it's like he's got a double chin at least, but he's also got like a six pack. It's kind of like uh, he's, he is living the fat-ripped dream right there, which is like, well, he's kind of fat, but he's also kind of ripped. I don't know. Of course, um, you know, he escapes because Dr. Octopus is like, these dummies don't know that I can just control my arms with my mind, so they just go busting me out of jail, and then I'm out. <laughs> Done. So then, you know, we do some Spider-Man Jameson stuff. And here's what's funny about this annual. It seems to be like an endless parade of other superheroes because it seems like maybe this was designed to be like, hey, kids, there's other comics out there. I'd be very curious to read the other annuals of other things and see around this time, like, was that what was going on? I read a, a... compendium of Stan Lee's soapbox. So Stan's soapbox was this thing that appeared at the end of a bunch of Marvel comics and he would talk about various things and for a while it was interesting because he would talk about like how the comics were made or he would talk about um you know he'd be like people are always asking me what's the Marvel bullpen issue or stance on Vietnam and other issues like that which he did a really good one about because he was kind of like well, we don't really talk about that stuff because we don't all feel the same way about it. Some of us are Republicans, some of us are hippies, some of us are this, some of us are that. And he's like, so 
for me to say here's the bullpen opinion wouldn't be true because we're individuals and whatever and i was like fucking aim like stan lee in the 60s answered this question much better than any company does today which is like well as a company we don't really have a stance because a company is not a person and as people we have different stances stance lee so anyway thor comes just shooting through the frame for basically no reason um, and like knocks Spider-Man almost off of a lamppost or something, and he's got a newspaper that goes flying. It's kind of like a little comedy shot almost. So then we have all the uh, the bad guys kind of gathering up together. Um, notable, because like, well, first of all, Electro's kind of just sitting around on this couch. And it did make me wonder, because I've seen a couple movies like Baby Driver. And I was watching Baby Driver, and it's like, well, wait a minute. They seem to be meeting in some kind of, like, warehouse or something. But there's also furniture there. And I just moved apartments, and I'm like, how do they get the furniture in here? Who picks up the furniture? Who delivers it? Who picks it up? How do they decide what furniture to get? Do you, If you're going to do these kind of meetings, do you just pick a pre-furnished spot? And you're just like, eh, fuck it. And, like, it's always... In the movies when they do this too, there's always a like rundown couch. It's they try to make it look shitty. And I'm like, that is more expensive than the nicest couch I've ever owned. Just just a heads up. Also, Dr. Octopus is smoking for no apparent reason. I was like, is this gonna come up later or something? No. It sure didn't. It was just like he's just fucking doing it for whatever reason. Um so then we have Peter Parker and Flash Thompson are getting into a little bit of almost a fist fight. And Doctor Strange just comes walking through in like his astral form. So he's like black and white and trans transparent and what would you call trans touch through? <laughs> Can't touch him. Well, he's just he's a fucking ghost. Okay. Jesus. He's a ghost. He comes walking through and is like, oh, you idiot kids, and just keeps on walking, which is kind of hilarious because I was like, again, we just have another superhero walking through because it's like, hey, kids, Doctor Strange, do it. So anyway, then Spider-Man is like swinging around, doing all kinds of bullshit, but then he's like losing his powers. This, and there's a pretty good uh, image of him sort of like desperately hanging on to a flagpole that's sitting sticking out perpendicular from a building and it's like holy shit this is uh this is spider-man three two i think it was two the sam raimi movie number two where he just kind of loses his powers psychologically i think that's two but i can't really remember i can't remember what was two and what was three i can't remember if three he lost his powers or he was just like I'm just not going to fight crime anymore. Cause I, no, that's what that was. Cause he's like, I'm not going to fight crime anymore, but he still did like a weird big band boogie ball dance with his uh, powers, I think. So anyway, he loses his powers. The Fantastic Four come driving by. This is like a constant... Okay, I'm going to just tell you right now. I think the first half of this comic is kind of crap. Like, it's not great. And it seems like a crappy commercial for other stuff, which is like, hey, man, I didn't buy this comic to hear about other comics. Why would I do that? 
but it gets much better. So the gang, the gang is all here. Um, the Sinister Six. So we've got Electro, Mysterio, Doctor Octopus, the Vulture, the Sandman, and Craven. Um, I've got some personal favorites of those of those bad guys. I I've always been a Mysterio fan. I saw he's going to be in the new movie as Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, <laughs> do you like how when you're a comic book nerd, you're like, and Mysterio, Jake is going to play Jake Gyllenhaal. When most people would probably say Jake Gyllenhaal is going to be Mysterio. Um, I like I like Jake Gyllenhaal. I feel like he picks weird movies. And if he was going to be in a superhero movie, I feel like Mysterio is a good way to go. But we'll see. Um, he's just an interesting character and like tricks. He does he does different things. He's not just trying to punch Spider-Man all the time, which I think is fun. And I like the Sandman too. Because I think the Sandman is just weird. It's super weird, super hard to understand, and seems difficult to defeat. Whereas, like, I mean, I like Craven the Hunter and everything, but you're sort of like, eh. Eh. Or the Vulture. I mean, the Vulture is an old man. The Vulture, if you don't know, if you saw Spider-Man Homecoming, is not... I mean, I guess Michael Keaton's like an old man at this point, right? How old? How old do you think Michael Keaton is? Let's see. Michael Keaton is 67 so he probably is about as old as the vulture is supposed to be but in the comics he looks like uh larry david if larry david shaved his head lost the glasses and um aged another 10 years anyway so we've got our sinister six the gang's all here and they say this great line about like oh you know we're gonna this is how we're gonna get spider-man and this is gonna be the turning point of our careers um, that's Dr. Octopus. This meeting will be a turning point of our careers, which I was like, your career? This is your career. I guess so. I mean, maybe, maybe I'm not in the right career. Cause I'm like, I don't think of it as a calling the way they seem to think of trying to beat up Spider-Man as their career. This is what I don't get to. Cause I'm like, have we transitioned now into the part of Spider-Man history where be- the villains are trying to beat up Spider-Man? Early on, it's like the villains are trying to rob banks and shit, and then Spider-Man stops them. And so then they sort of just transition from robbing banks to, now I'm going to rob a bank so I can make a super weapon to kill Spider-Man. So anyway, they all draw things from a hat that like tell them what they're supposed to do. Dr. Octopus has this big plan and is like, let's do it. So they all look at the cards and blah, blah, blah. Okay, so then... You've got, uh, now Spider-Man slash Peter Parker. Peter Parker's out walking in his blue suit and yellow vest. And he's like, um, which by the way, I remember I had this friend and she had a little brother and one Halloween, he dressed up as Peter Parker, not Spider-Man, but Peter Parker, which I thought was really funny. Um, but he did not wear a blue suit and a yellow vest. He was just kind of dressed normally plus glasses. So, Peter Parker's out walking around being like, I can't believe I've got lost my powers. I guess I'll just have to get used to living like this. And then, of course, he just runs into Giant Man and the Wasp stopping a crime. And he just, like, keeps running into superheroes constantly. And it's fucking hilarious. Like, as soon as he runs out of his powers, he's running into them constantly. It's like if you tried to quit smoking 
And then you just kept finding cartons of cigarettes around. And someone bought you a carton of cigarettes and so on and so forth. Or it's a little bit like if you've seen that Simpsons episode where Bart joins the whatever Boy Scouts thing. And uh, he's like, I'm not doing this. I don't need a stupid pocket knife. And then he walks around town and like 50 different uses for a pocket knife come up. That's kind of what's happening, except it's just rubbing it in Spider-Man's face that it's like, you're not Spider-Man anymore. So anyway, so Dr. Octopus has handed out these cards that like tell everyone what to do. And uh, it's kind of hilarious because the plan sort of just seems to end up being Sandman and Electro kidnap Aunt May and uh, I think Betty Brant. Yeah. Sort of Peter Parker's like pseudo girlfriend. And it's like that basically the plan seemed to be like, okay, we're going to capture an elderly woman and a secretary and it's an elaborate plan. We'll kidnap them and then Spider-Man will have to come face us. You're like, what a plan. That must have taken you a long. Maybe you should have like hung out in jail a little longer, thought a little harder and come up with a plan that's a little more interesting. So then uh, the vulture swings by Jonah Jameson's place and is like, Hey, send Spider-Man to fight us, otherwise he'll never see his precious people again, or whatever. So they're trying to figure out where Spider-Man is. Everyone's like, where's Spider-Man? They call the Fantastic Four, so they get a cameo. They call the Avengers, and Captain America's there, and he's just like, sorry, chums, I haven't seen him, and all my chums are out. Oh, my mates. None of my mates, my teammates, are here at the moment. And it's funny because, like, in the X-Men, kind of similar... The X-Men are the biggest dicks, probably, because they're like, oh, there's a huge... The Human Torch made a big thing that said, like, Spidey, we need to, we need you to come to Fantastic Four or whatever. And Charles Xavier's like, ignore it. It does not concern us. Continue your training program. <laughs> He's like, fuck them. That's not our concern. Obviously, it's for Spider-Man. But it's also funny because, like, all right, in my training, I've learned something called the reference interview. And when someone's asking you a question, a key component into helping someone um, is to say, like, okay, let's say someone comes up to a desk and is like, I want us to talk to a manager. It's always good to say, okay, well, I can get them for you. Is there anything I can do for you right now? Because sometimes people ask for a manager and they don't really need a manager, right? Or like sometimes people think they need, you know, they'll be like, I need to talk to a librarian. And I'll say, like, okay, well, what can I help you with? And they'll say, um, I just need to renew my books. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Good thing. When they're calling around and they call the Fantastic Four and they're like, hey, is Spider-Man there? And they're like, no. Why don't they say, why doesn't the Fantastic Four say, like, is there something we could help you with? Because maybe if the Fantastic Four said that, Jameson would be like, well, these two ladies have been kidnapped. An elderly woman and my secretary have been kidnapped. Do you think you could probably do something about that? And I'm sure the Fantastic Four would be like, no, we, we have like a outer space adventure. But you know, Captain America, apparently all his teammates are off doing something without him. He could probably help, right? Okay, so then uh, Spider-Man goes and fights all of the Sinister Six. So there's a great moment in here. And what's funny is when I say a great moment, um, also there's underarm webbing 
in this issue. Uh, an early, early version of that. Um, but the, a great Spider-Man moment is kind of defined in a different way than like a great Superman moment. Like a great Superman moment is him like, you know, smashing that tank or whatever. Picking up a car and smashing it. And you're like, that's awesome. A great Spider-Man moment is he's like, okay, I don't have any superpowers, but I have to, what What can I do? I have to do something. So he puts on his Spider-Man shit and basically brings himself into complete danger that he's not equipped to handle. And to the extent that he's going to fight Electro and he has to crawl in a hole underneath like a chain link fence that's probably like five feet high. Because he's like, I don't have any spider powers. So it's like totally humiliating. But this is what makes it a great Spider-Man moment. This is like a key defining characteristic of Spider-Man, which is he's like always outnumbered, always outgunned, as a Walter Mosley book would tell us. But uh, he's like, well, you got to do what you got to do. And he's like willing to humiliate himself in this way. And he's not even concerned about that. He's just sort of like, how am I going to get these people back? So he fights Electro. It turns out he had his powers all along. Um, they just didn't go away. I don't know. It was just like a mental break. So he's fighting Electro and the fight ends with an awesome full page Spider-Man punching Electro in the face and a big like pink purple whop sound effect like the old Batman cartoon. There's electricity flying everywhere. This is like Steve Ditko. This annual, the second half of this annual is just like, they were like, Steve, fucking get in there and kick some ass. So then Iron Man shows up. Spider-Man fights Kraven, who's got like two leopards helping him. So then there's like a full page, you know, splash of Spider-Man sort of dunking on these two leopards and getting ready to beat up Kraven. Then the Human Torch shows up and is like, hey, let me help you. And Spider-Man's like, fuck off. Which I was like, what? Now, Dr. Octopus, meanwhile, has captured Betty Brant and Aunt May and is serving them like tea and whatever. Crumpets? Pastries. Danish pastry. Um, he's giving them coffee in little teacups and a Danish pastry. And it's sort of like, well, I guess if you have to be kidnapped... And also, I kind of like, because I'm like, you know, Dr. Octopus kidnapped this old woman, and he's not like, I'm going to like tape her to a chair and beat her up with a pipe. He's just like, eh, she'll just sit around, it's fine. Um, we have Spider-Man fights the X-Men, which turn out to be the work of Mysterio, and so then we get a full page Spider-Man smashing through a window and like punching Mysterio in the face. Again, pretty awesome. Um, Sandman, and you get a great full page thing of him punching out the Sandman, which is like a, a similar to the original cover where Sandman first appeared. It's like a very similar pose, except Spider-Man is like doing better, not just getting screwed. He defeats the Sandman this time by, so they made this iron box that comes out of the ground and contains Spider-Man and Sandman. So it's like, oh, now he won't be able to get away so the Sandman can defeat him. Except it turns out the uh, the box was so airtight that it was airtight. <laughs> and the Sandman passes out. <laughs> Which, this is what I like. I like when comics have that kind of shit in it because you're like, oh, all right. All right, I'm in. So then he fights the Vulture. 
you know, they just kind of punch around. Again, another great full-page shot of Spider-Man and the Vulture. And then we get to Dr. Octopus. So Dr. Octopus puts him in this giant fishbowl full of water. He throws on, like, a scuba outfit, and then he's, like, swimming through the water fighting Spider-Man, which I was like, this seems so dumb. And then I was like, oh, I guess he's Dr. Octopus. So maybe it would make sense for him to be in the water at some point. But then Spider-Man just webs him up and whatever and escapes. So they all get out of it. Everything's fine. He defeats bad guys defeated. They all end up in the last panel as all of them in the same jail cell sitting around like saying like, oh, we'll get him next time and all that kind of shit, which is hilarious Um, because it's like (laughs) they just put them all in the jail cell. I know because it's a comic book and they could do one panel and have them talk to each other. But you're like, and there's like a cop just standing outside. There's not even bars on the door. And you're like, seriously, did we learn nothing? Um, But then this ends. Uh, This issue is not over. It's kind of because it's this annual. It's got this like um, gallery of different things. So it starts with a gallery of Spider-Man's most famous foes. The first one is the burglar, which is the guy who shot Uncle Ben. Right. Then you've got the chameleon who didn't appear in this issue, who also is pretty cool. Vulture. um, Some of these didn't become as big. Like, for example, the terrible tinkerer who was in uh, amazing spider-man 2 dr octopus um sandman from amazing spider-man 4 who was great dr doom um the lizard then we had the living brain who you may remember from number eight which was basically a big robot with swingy around arms and was atomic powered um that one didn't take off A giant rolling refrigerator did not become popular in Spider-Man comics, although a giant moving refrigerator is probably the model for the Gears of War characters. Electro, the Enforcers, Ox, Montana, and Fancy Dan, of course. Fancy Dan being, in this, um, not even quite mini-me size, but fine. And the big man, who's like the boss of them. Mysterio, Green Goblin, Kraven. And then we have The Secrets of Spider-Man. I loved this shit when I was a kid. I had a Fantastic Four annual that had like a cutout window in the cover and it had like the cardstock cover and everything and then inside it showed like a different page for each of the Fantastic Four and like what their powers were and things they could do. So this does like a quick origin and then it shows him like lifting a huge weight. It shows how he sticks to the wall and like what he can do. Like he can do a handstand perpendicular to a wall He could, like, balance on a tightrope between buildings on one finger. You know, he can leap tall buildings. There's a a page that says, you know, it's start here for Spidey's living action demonstration. And it's him jumping from rooftop to rooftop and swinging around on shit. This is very reminiscent of the, um, there was a Chuck Dixon run on Nightwing where they would show him jumping from rooftop to rooftop this way. They'd kind of have, like, ghostly tracers of him Going across, I'm starting to get into real nerd territory. But they show his, like, spider web shooters so he can make, like, a long, strong line, a spreading spray, an adhesive liquid. He's, like, got the thing and the human torch webbed up. Um, He makes a shield. He makes, like, a bolo. He makes a barrier that stops a truck. Skis, a raft, a parachute, a safety net, a club. (laughs) You're like, "Mm, okay, a ball or just plain sticky glue. 
talks about his spidey sense tingling. Um, talks about his mask. The white areas in Spidey's eye cutouts on his mask are really clever plastic lenses of the two-way mirror type. He can see out very clearly, but no one can see in. Therefore, he can never be recognized by the color of his eyes. Pretty good stuff, huh? Plus, they protect him from dust, dirt, and the sun. Um, and then there's a fucking great Peter Parker as Spider-Man. Best wishes from your pal Spidey. Full page image of him crawling down a building. Steve Ditko at his finest. Um, Jonah Jameson and Betty Brant. Peter's classmates. There's a, a pretty funny one because it's like Peter Parker's house. And it's like a cutaway sort of 3D image. And they used to do this a lot. They do this for like the Fantastic Four Baxter building. And this is a kid. I would always love those too because we used to do this thing where we would design mansions. You know, and by design mansions, I mean draw a big box and square it off into rooms and be like, and here's the water slide you take from room to room. Um, and you would just have different rooms for, here's the awesome video game room. It's like you're playing blank check the movie, the game. Um, and they would do this in the comics with like Fantastic Four, the Baxter building, right? But it would be like they'd have a crazy computer room. They'd have like a super giant microscope that went up five floors or something. But then this is just Peter Parker's house and there's like nothing labeled except like Peter's room. And as Spider-Man, Peter Peter secretly enters secretly enters house through upstairs window. And it's like that's it. That's all that's labeled cuz it's just a fucking normal house. You know, you've got a guest star page and then you've got a how Stanley and Steve Ditko create Spider-Man. Um I just watched an episode of so this is a controversial thing, is the Marvel method, right? Like, who came up with what? Who's responsible for what? And I did just see um, an episode of the show Comic Book Men that guest starred John Romita Jr., a personal favorite artist. And he was describing, because he was like, well, I grew up and, you know, the people, I would come home and... So his dad was John Romita Sr., great Spider-Man artist as well. Um... And he's like, but I would come home and the people who would be in my house would be like Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and uh, John Buscema and stuff like that. And he was describing like, I remember I would come home and Stan would be talking to uh, my dad and he would be like acting out and telling him the plot points and stuff while he's like furiously kind of scripting slash um, blocking them out and creating the layouts and stuff. And so, like, a lot is made of, hey, the artists at Marvel pulled more weight than the writers, which is probably true. But I think that that version of the story, too, makes it sound a lot more than it's like, I think we imagine it as Stanley emails uh, Steve Ditko five bullet points and is like, hey, here's what needs to happen in this issue. And then he does the entire layout, the entire script, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, that's a lot different than they're in a room together. He's acting out the entire thing while the guy is kind of writing it down and scripting it and whatever. But, uh, yeah, and that's a little bit closer to what we have here, although it shows mostly Steve Ditko, like, working through the night and drawing stuff, which, pretty amazing. Pretty, uh, pretty good stuff. Um, we lost Steve Ditko in the last year. It's very, very sad. And uh, I'm glad we got to this issue because this is like, if you want a Steve Ditko showcase issue, check it out. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man annual number one. 
because there's just these great full page images. They've got like these new, the Marvel, Marvel Masterworks versions of them, which you can find online. If you have a subscription to a service like uh, Hoopla through your library, they have them digitally there. And the colors on them are very vibrant. Um, they just look great. So I really recommend it. Really check it out. Because if, if you've ever been not totally convinced about Steve Ditko as a Spider-Man artist, that'll sell you on it. Uh, and that's by far the highlight of this issue for me. That Steve Ditko, those sweet, six sweet images, plus a great Spider-Man image. So nice, nice job, Mr. Ditko. Thanks for your hard work. And that's all for us for today. I uh, hope you all have a great week. Probably like eight weeks until the next episode of this. But you know what? Fuck off. That's how we roll. Sometimes you just can't, you can't get everything together and get an episode out. And sometimes you can. Um, if you're curious about more stuff than I do, visit HelpfulSnowman.com. You can see writing... Uh, my regular show, Patreon, all that stuff. All right, see you next time. He climbs a tree just like a vine. Look out, here comes the spider